On his online journal, Chiodos' lead singer Craig Owens recently stated, Don't believe rumors, especially about me. Just a few days ago, I had heard that I was dead. Haha, ha, trust me, it won't be that easy world, I'm not going anywhere. As Craig says himself, you either love him or you hate him. And the 23-year-old Flint, Michigan native constantly struggles with both one, trying to understand why anyone would hate him in the first place, and two, trying not to let it bother him in that first place. But it would appear that being hated or loved just comes with the territory of being the lead singer. And it doesn't matter if you're Gerard Way or the local crooner of emo ballads in Lawrence, Kansas. If you're the guy or gal up front, you're either going to get roses or bottles, regardless if it's from the audience or from an online message board. In a way, the relationship between a lead singer and an audience is similar to being a lion tamer. And Craig Owens is just trying to make sure he doesn't end up getting trapped in a Siegfried and Roy moment. Despite two hit records, a tour with Linkin Park, and playing with Metallica even, Chiedos has been an ongoing work in progress for Owens, both professionally and personally. His newish side project, Cinematic Sunrise, with Chiodos' keyboardist Bradley Bell and Brian Beeler, is one more runaway train for Owens to grasp onto, allowing him to showcase his pop rock sensibilities without having to blow out a vocal cord or two along the way. Throw on top of the full-time Chiodos and the part-time cinematic, Owens is now also venturing into book writing with the release of a semi-autobiographical journal next year, and a prematurely tagged hardcore side project again with Bell, as well as Matt Goddard of Chiodos, Michael Laspernera of Roses Are Red, and Nick Martin of Undermined. It's no doubt that Craig Owens pushes the limits of his time, but also limits within himself. And whether or not he's ultimately comfortable in that position, he still hasn't figured that one out yet either. This is Mike Shea. It's so easy to get lost in I don't know if you can uh, necessarily not be for very long in this day and age and the way the internet is. I don't know if you can actually try and pull the wool over people's eyes anymore. Yeah, I definitely. It's it's harder than I don't know how it used to be, but it's definitely hard. I mean, people definitely pay attention, but sometimes, you know, it's funny because they're they're even wrong. Like you could not be pulling the wool over their eyes, and they think you are. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, there's a lot of lack of trust. Oh yeah, right. Like I don't know. I don't know who to blame. I don't know. I mean, I think for a while there was they were trying to blame nine eleven. You know what I mean? I think it's they like, still are. Isn't it orange you know, at the airport? <laughs> I heard it this morning. The the security level right. it's up to orange. Right. It's a new again, color. Again, well, well, maybe it's maybe it's the summer color. Yeah, <laughs> it's kind of a it's kind of a beach color. The sun's out today. We're we're going with we're, orange. With orange, yeah, it is our. It's, it's like a new paint color. No, I mean you know what I mean. It's just like oh, I think we should probably just start. Um, yeah, so no. okay, we're we're probably here. Um, uh, but oh, I guess what I was saying was that I don't I don't know if if I think we just live in a society where we don't trust each other anymore. Yeah. It kind of comes to that whole thing where people don't sit on their front porch in their community anymore. Yeah, and they and don't locking that, their doors. They lock their doors behind everything, behind an email, mm -hmm. behind everything else. I mean, what was it that MySpace just came out and said they're going to start cracking down on people with fake profiles? Let's hope so, so I can get rid of the 30 extra ones that I have that people talk to and they think that they're my friends or that they, you know, like they, they, like I literally just, just have relationships through people. But I'm not actually on the other side of it. Do you know what I mean? Like it's it's actually kind of scary because a lot of my old friends go there, and like I don't have Facebook, and a lot of my friends are like, "Oh yeah, I talk to you on Facebook all the time." I'm like, no, you don't. It's not me. Craig, remember when you threw up on my mom? <laughs> <laughs> I did. I actually was one of those guys that talked to somebody on Facebook that was not you, and I thought it was you. Are you serious? Yeah, I reset up my whole Facebook page, and I went through it, and I went, "Oh Craig," because it was the image that was on. Your MySpace. Yeah, but that's what they do. They just yeah, they pay they attention to the MySpace he and was then totally they update cool. it. He was totally cool. He may be listening to this because I think he's an Uber fan. But he, oh, really? Yeah, he was totally cool because he came right back. Because I was like, hey, it was really nice to see you. I wrote him like something like that. And yeah. I th thinking it was you. And then he's like, no, St. Craig. Okay, that's but, cool then. You know, A lot of the time they're like, thanks. And then they, they're, they're just, they pull a dick move or they, you know, they say something creepy or, you know, anything. 
Well, you see, you get the fun ones then. Us in the press, we don't get that. We just get we get the phone call from some manager who said, "Yeah, um, your reporter you sent to this show in Fort Lauderdale last night was a complete asshole." Like we didn't send anybody there. Well, they said they worked for you. No, it isn't. A, who did they say it was? They said it was Scott Heisel. Scott's been here in the office. He's actually sick at home. Yeah. <laughs> like what? That's how it happened. We just get the ones that want free tickets, man. You get all like yep. you get the real ones, the scary ones, the scary ones. They're very scary. What, what are they like Nightmare on Elmer Street scary or like no Freddy they're Kirk, like, or like what kind of scary pry into my personal life and try and ruin every relationship I've ever had scary oh malicious scary yeah like actual scary I remember on Atlanta Warp Tour I had um I had a death threat really it, yeah it was really scary first and only um yeah first and only I mean I've been told but that it was the actually only time that I had it it was funny though because I, I felt like the president or something. There was like police around me and, and does, all the security. That, man, that would totally. <laughs> it was kind of empowering, but it was it was very scary, you know. What was the deal? Was it was it somebody who just like a, a, a yeah, just a, a crazy person that really doesn't like me because, you know, everybody knows I think that either you love me or you absolutely hate me, and um, you know, there's there's no real in between when it comes to to me and uh, you know, and how you feel about me, um. And it was just, you know, it went, something went south. I don't even, I couldn't even tell you what it was specifically, um, but it, other than scary. <laughs> it wasn't a member of a biker gang or something like that. You know, like, no, you know, like some it was, posse. it was a Marine actually, oh, well, which okay. is even scarier for even, me because I'm, yeah, you know, I have the body of a 12 year old girl. Yeah. It worked for special forces or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty... Seriously. I was, I was really scared, but I had Joe and DJ, the warp Tour security guys, um, and the Atlanta Police Department were there, like walking me around, standing there next to me at my signing. Whoa! So, yeah, people are crazy. <laughs> all I want to do is sing. That's, that's pretty much all. You, yeah, I just right. want to have fun. Don't Everybody. shoot me. I'm just the piano player. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Whoa! Why is that? I, you know, that is something. Um, uh, Motion City were here the other day, and they were doing a podcast, and and Justin was saying that. Um, he just likes to write screenplays and read and just kind of hang out at home. Is that the mad scientist? Yeah, the mad scientist. <laughs> yeah. The lead singer, <laughs> otherwise known as the mad scientist. And yeah, and, and that's what he likes to do. And you know, he's recovering. He's been a year sober. And so it's probably best for him not to go out yeah, after definitely. a party and stuff like that. You know, and, But he says that, that because of that, he's known as the dick. Yeah, that's what I am. Yeah, I have, I have that same karma attached to me. But you don't, I, I've never seen you shy away from, I mean, I haven't been around you 24-7 right. for five years, but right. I haven't really seen you shy away from an autograph or a photo. No, I don't shy away, shy away from autographs or photos. I shy away from hanging out with random people and pretending like I'm their best friends. Um, you know, the the random, you know, the the people at Warp Tour, you know, it, it turns out that if you have a MySpace profile and a cute picture on your default that you can get get on Warp Tour and work. Um, <laughs> as far as I'm concerned, that's that's pretty much all it is. Work as a Work as selling for someone oh, or some sponsor merch. or doing something, you know. Um, and they're the ones that pretty much add all the drama that that's attached with it. This past Warp Tour, I went to catering one time. It was just it was was too it. intense, yeah. Too many people. Um you know, bad karma. It was like, okay, I, I didn't go to one party. I didn't go to one barbecue. Um, I sat in my bus and I wrote cinematic and I wrote, um, and I read a lot. And, um, you know, I just, because I did that, uh -huh. um, and because people didn't see me and they have all these preconceived notions about me. Um, you know, a lot of people, I guess I'm, I'm jumping around, but a, a lot of people really, um, you know, they they had the, just this Im impression of me just being this this person, um, you know, based off of their own, I don't I don't know something people just make shit up, um, <laughs> but you know, and at the, at the mock elections at the end, I I still got um, I still got uh, most likely to ask for backstage passes, <laughs> which which obviously means tour slot. Um, and you know that's all preconceived notions. Even though I didn't talk to anybody, um, I didn't go. I went to catering once. Um, 
you know, that's just, that's a lot of the music scene. Behind the scene is the shitty part. You know, I, like I said, I'll never shy away from a, an autograph or a, a picture because I'd much rather meet a fan of some of, of music than someone that's just trying to, to weasel their way in because that's that's pretty much all it is now, you know. Um, that's why it's, it's hard for me to hang out with other bands. Um, but, you know, every once in a while you meet gems. You meet, you meet people that are actually there to play music and not do anything else and... And you meet people that are understanding and, um, you know, that, that they, they don't want you to be this or that. And they don't think about it before they come in. They just come in and realize this is a dude. Let's hang out like the MXPX dudes. Mm. Like got along with, with Tom and, and Mike and, and Yuri so well. Um, like that, that last tour is probably the most fun I've ever had. And, and one of the most open tours I've ever had. Um, hung out with, with them every day. And, uh, you know, it used to be like that when I first started. Excuse me, but um, it, it was like that a lot, and then you'd have weird run-ins with crazy dudes, hmm. you know, um, and it it kind of fucked me up to be honest, because you know it's like it, it made me second guess every conversation I had because I'd say jokes or something, people would take it seriously and then try and kick me off their tours or something like that, <laughs> or put but, it on the internet. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So. You know, I, I I basically just tap dance around now. Uh, you know, I dance on on I walk on eggshells um, around the whole backstage thing. But yeah, but isn't there know. that kind of that point where you've reached? Thankfully, in Shioto's career, your career, and what you're building next for your career for yourself, mm-hmm. that you're getting to that point where it you don't necessarily have to worry about that anymore you don't have to walk away shells no yeah I, still I, I care too or is much. that just, all right that's that's it it's more like yeah it's okay. probably more me um you know i go into it trying to like be tough and like say oh i don't care but i always care like i don't know if someone doesn't like me then i think it it, it came from somewhere and i want to figure it out and try and make it right i've always been that person like even in high school that's why I was friends with everybody. I have I have that really bad insecurity where you kind of want everybody to like you. Mm. Um, you know, I, I try not... I'm, I'm not bad where it's like I'm going to laugh at their every joke and I'm going to do everything to make them like me. But, you know, I, I think that... It, I don't know. It, it's a long, long story, I guess. Uh, Dave Sherman, um, the guy that I talked to in Philadelphia, one of my closest friends, talk, he's talked me through so much, um, is basically just trying to convince me, like chill out not everyone's gonna like you don't worry so much everything's gonna be fine but you know i feel the same way when i read like a message board because i'm really active like i read all the message boards i read all you know anything that is said i know about it it's it it just doesn't go right you know it just it doesn't just disappear like i actually pay attention and i think that it, it derives from somewhere it, it comes from somewhere and um you know it the, and i just want to do the best that i can do and 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 be myself at the same time to kind of almost prove them wrong and just let them know like you know i don't know because sometimes all it takes is you writing someone and being like hey chill out i'm not really like that i'm talking to you now and then they write back and they apologize right away do you know what i mean most of them will yeah unfortunately but i don't know i I probably shouldn't care well you know it's kind of like the circus clown or any great comedian that if you read where they where they kind of take the jokes and throw them out the door and they finally get serious with whoever they're being interviewed by and they'll sit there and say and you see this with artists too but and the comedian will sit there and say that the moment the the really the only moment in their life continuously it doesn't matter who they're married to doesn't matter how much money they're making it doesn't matter how their kids are doing it doesn't matter whatever whatever awards they win their only moment in their life that they feel a hundred percent fully happy is the moment right after the audience laughs yeah. and so it's like, and it's because they have that need to want to be loved or appreciated, yeah. accepted. It's always a version of one of the three. Yeah, yeah. And there's nothing the matter with any of that, but they have a need for some sort of acceptance. Yeah. You know, the audience cl- laughs. We like you. We think you're okay. Yeah. So for yourself as a performer, but also as a lead singer, because I think lead singers just, just period, lead singers are a different mold than anybody else in the band. And it doesn't mean the rest of the band are not uh, as serious or as 
can be as as, as um, emotionally aware yeah, of themselves. Yeah, I, think. I mean, I'm definitely not saying that, but but I think lead singers are just come from a different kind of mold, and they have that same thing that that comic has. Yeah, it's it's there's something about during that show where you probably feel I would assume. I mean, am I wrong? Am I off in left field? No, I, I don't think so. I mean, you definitely you definitely want that, and you definitely feel it, and you know, I've always been the guy that will pay attention to the one kid in the crowd that's not having a good time as opposed to the 2,000 that are. Um, but, yeah, it's something It's something about knowing that what you're doing and what you've spent so much of your life, um, at least for me, yeah. uh, something that I've spent so much of my life doing, um, being, uh, becoming, growing, all of that is, is kind of, you know, it's kind of like them saying, okay, I get it. You know what I mean? You're not, you're not, you're not living for no reason. You're not doing, you know, you're not living like this for no reason. And, um, it's just, it's kind of that, that energy, it pushes you, it pushes you to that next step, you know? So, and you know, I think a lot of the mold that comes with lead singers, I think the truly great ones is that, that drive, that starve, that need for success, that, you know, the, is it always success though? I mean, I'm sure some Personal of them it success, is. I mean, it, it can yeah. be, it's open for interpretation, I think. Like, I think success is, you know, being able to be happy with what it is that you're doing and really just uh, living off of your trait. Um, some people consider success, you know, um, money. Some people consider it fame. Some consider it credibility. And, um, you know, I, I just am glad that I'm living off of something that I've always loved and that I've wanted to do, but... Um, yeah, it's, it, I don't know. It's, it's kind of a, a whole, a twisted circle, I guess. Kind of just comes around. It's weird. But I've seen you so many times now where there's a point in that show where you go into that Zen and it's usually when you collapse in front of the drum set. Yeah. And I don't know necessarily if I'm misinterpreting that as being a bad, uh, music uh, reviewer in my head and I'm sitting there going wow he's really getting into a zen moment or you're sitting there and this is part of the act no it's my but it's my zen moment I it's funny because you know a lot of people think that what what you're doing on stage needs to be you know just an act or or you know like I remember when I was first starting out I I pretty much spent most of the time in that zen moment um and and people would tell me to turn around and I was just going to ask you like that. Did that. you perform with your uh, your back to the audience most of the time? Yeah, because that was the way it was in practice. That was the way. That was just how it was for me. That's that's how I felt most comfortable. That was, yeah, that's know? what I was wondering about comfort. Um, and now it's like they, it's it's whatever you show to the crowd is the act, you know. And and a lot of the time, like I'll be down in front of the drum set and I have this. This weird habit, like, and it's it's not, I don't know if it's it it technically is is considered self destructive, but it's it's just emotion just piling up where I'll just like kind of just bite on my arm a little bit, and I I leave with bruises and and like it's like hard like blood clot type things, hmm. but that's how I know I had a good show. It's weird and it doesn't make sense. Um, you know I don't really understand where it came from. Um, where it comes from or where it's going, <laughs> but um, I know that I've had a good show. If the next day my my skin on my my right arm is a little uh, a little um, hard, and it's it's weird, but in a way it's kind of a kind of an offshoot of uh, what they used to say. Um, who used to say it? I think Tony Bennett actually used to say it about <laughs> about Judy Garland, and he said that every time she performed, a little bit of her died. Yeah, and so I'm kind of. If it's like, it's like, is, do you need to feel that pain in order to know that you are alive during the show? Is there something? I think that's it might just be deeper. The fat, yeah, you know what I mean, I don't know. I don't know where in my subconscious. I feel like I we should be smoking pot right now, talking about this. But <laughs> well, you, if if you want to, I'm down. Um, <laughs> but the AP offices are in the right neighborhood. I will tell you that. <laughs> I I really just I don't know why it happens. I don't know why. You know, I do it, but it's almost because at times, like before I do it, I'll kind of just like rub my face and it'll just be, it's just that you're down and, and you're in that, you're in your prime, like you're in the moment. 
It's mm-hmm. just, I, I don't know how to explain it other than lifting up my hand like I am right now. Um, but it's just, I, I, like, I'll find myself, like, rubbing my face. Like, I'll, I'm just sweaty, and I rub it against my arm, and it's just, like, sliding. Because I, I wouldn't do it if it wasn't a show where I was completely drenched. Um, mm. You know, just, it's like, it's just bare. It's It's like you're stripped naked in front of a crowd, and you have nothing to hide. And I just don't hide at that point I turn around and maybe that's hiding but I don't want people to consider it an act so I don't turn around and do it um but yeah it's it's just like you're just you're giving absolutely everything and it's it's you it's it, you're doing what it is that you want to do and you're not worried about what anybody's thinking at that moment I've always kind of maybe I'm over psychoanalyzing <clears throat> um, being the writer I am but um an interpretive writer um <laughs> Sometimes you can overinterpret crap. Yeah, I'm the uh, same way. You know, um, but I've kind of noticed that those times I've talked to you afterwards, and you seem to be most, um, raw with your emotions. Yeah. I can tell that it's at the surface. Yeah, it, and you do every single time, and you've done it three times now that I've seen is when. During that show, in that moment, and I don't know if there's a connection to it, you start pawing at the drum yeah. head on the bass on the on the kick the bass on the bass drum. Yeah, I don't know if there's any sort of connection there or not. Maybe there isn't. Maybe I'm just. It, that's there could it. Be somebody I mean, laughing it's, right it's, now. No, you just you you get stripped naked. You're doing what it is that you want to do, and you're not worrying about what it's going to look like tomorrow on a message board. You know, you're not you're not worried about the YouTube videos that everybody are going to criticize and mm-hmm. and all of that. I mean, you just I do it, and uh, I also do this thing where I'll just start repeating words and just yelling them um, on stage. Like I'll just I'll just repeat and repeat and repeat myself, and kind of just I don't know. It's just it, have you ever seen the movie The Aviator mm-hmm. with Leonardo DiCaprio? Mm-hmm. It just reminds me of moments like that. It's just. It's this Zen where you're just almost in a dreamlike state, and you just it nothing else matters, and you're not worried about rationality or what what you're supposed to be doing. You're just doing, and it's I don't know. It's it's kind of a it's a beautiful thing. It's it might be scary to some people or a show to others mm-hmm. or whatever, but um, it's it's beautiful to me. I love it. It's awesome. Not not like I want you to trash talk an audience or a particular city. But have there been times where you've just gotten really mad at an audience? Not at a person. Oh my gosh, all the time. But the audience itself, there was yeah. just a, because uh, there's a, you know, there's all these books and these doctors and these these uh, these uh, PhD guys and they write all these books about the philosophy, the, the, the soci, the psychosociality or whatever of crowds yeah. and how crowds function. And, and they do all these analysis of like how crowds get through packed you know small tight spaces in the middle of emergencies and things and that's how they design crap and stuff and there is something to be said about a crowd in a rock concert they Mm. will collectively start acting all the same way it's weird have you ever gotten that kind of that point where you just there's a there's actually a fight between between you and that crowd going oh my gosh yeah um quite often (laughs) it happens (laughs) once a tour maybe yeah um can you tell walking out once you walk on that stage you can already feel it no, you can't tell until about the second or third song in. Why they just don't clap? They don't. They don't. Yeah, they're it's just not eyes. receptive. Yeah, you, it's it's everything. It's their their posture. Um, you know whether or not they're you know arms crossed. Um, you know how how they're they're treating you in between songs. Um, whether they're hanging on your every word, listening. Or just talking and not paying attention at yeah, all. Yeah, that would be pretty yeah frustrating. Um, it's funny because I I used to really have a problem with it. I used to really care a lot, and I would just like throw water bottles as, like we did. I think it was uh, what was it? Maybe Taste of Chaos? No, I think it was before that. I don't know some tour that we were on, and uh, whenever I'd get frustrated, I just I'd take a water bottle, a full water bottle, and I'd throw it as high and far as I possibly could. And then I got in trouble for it from, I think, the person sound guy or something. I don't know. But, um, <laughs> you kept making it? Yeah. Kept making I, it back I, there? Yeah, I would just toss it as hard as I possibly could. And, you know, it was therapeutic, and I got through my show because of it. And I didn't talk shit, basically, you know, <laughs> on the microphone. Um, 
but yeah, it sometimes <laughs> it gets bad. All you can you can tell when I'm having a bad night. If you go and watch a show, if I don't talk, if I don't talk in between songs and I don't let out some sort of sentimental mushy stuff, then I'm having a bad night. Is the sentimental mushy stuff kind of like, hey, Charleston, we love you guys. Kinda no, like, that. like like um when I when I say sentimental mushy stuff, it's good. That's when I'm having a good night. Right. But usually the sentimental mushy stuff is like, I I say something that I that I really really truly feel. I like um, I'll talk about insecurities a lot on stage because I feel like once you kind of bring it up, then the cool kids aren't cool anymore, and you kind of throwing them out of their element. Um, and or you know the quote unquote cool kids right the cool kids are <laughs> what the ones cool? that are going and having fun i believe and uh just kind of letting loose you know i and to admit it i was never a cool kid at the shows i was the one that stood by the soundboard with my arms crossed never in a mosh pit really i think i jumped up and down one time to a band ever what know? band was that saved the day unfortunately unfortunately fortunately fortunately whatever whatever However you'd like to think of it. <laughs> no, it's it's awesome. It's great that you, you know. Yeah. You well, had, some you people were able have, to get have that cool moment. stories. They're like, yeah, I jumped up and down to like Nirvana when they first started playing or, do you yeah, know what I mean? Some yeah, old hip yeah, cool yeah, thing. But. Yeah, I'm sure. And somebody was at the first Sex Pistols show Yeah, too. exactly. Yeah, I know. Exactly. We do two music breaks. We're going to do one right now. And um, I ask you to, um, we are, was talking with uh, your record company publicist mm-hmm. on a previous podcast and- um, you know, we were talking about the uh, the standard questions that press always ask and why press need to not ask them. So I'd like to use this moment to hopefully uh, allow something to happen so press will never ask you again this question. Wow, um, that would so, be amazing. Would it? Okay, yeah. so this one is, um, what is your, f- name your favorite Chiodo song and your favorite okay. Cinematic Sunrise song? The name? Yeah, like what's the name of the two songs? And that those will be two songs. Oh, to play. my my two favorite your, songs. Your two favorite songs, because in that way you'll never get asked that question again. Be amazing. They already know it. Um, Lexington, Joey Peep Out with the Monkey Face will probably always be my favorite Chiodo song ever. And um, Goodbye Friendship, Hello Heartache is my favorite cinematic song, and uh, that's because they're both pop and they're both something that you know they're products of how I've grown and. Uh, and what I've kind of become, and I just think that they're great all around structure-wise, lyrically, they're just everything that I wanted them to be. So, I love those songs.
You know, it's like 
What? When? Like, how, do you why? need something wounding to happen? Sometimes, yeah. Sometimes I do. And you know, I'm the kind of guy that writes at two a.m., three a.m., or I'll wake up in the middle of the night um, and write. But I'm also the guy that will stop mid-conversation, which I've noticed you do the same thing. Um, that's why I never mind. I kind of laugh to myself because I do it all the time. The, the, the table someone turned on me. I don't like this. <laughs> <laughs> someone will say something and you're like, hold on. I have to write that down. And then you write it down. And like if you go to my house, you will find little notepads, little yellow stickies absolutely everywhere. And, you know, they, they all say the weirdest little things that I thought were genius the moment that they, they left someone's lips. But... You know, so a lot of the times I grab them and I kind of just compile them and I make a beautiful little collage out of them and all that stuff. Not art, not like physically, but okay. with, you know, it, lyrically. It could, it could be an art exhibit. <laughs> yeah. you, may, you may need to think about this. Yeah, I'm down. Or you could do stop animation, make him a video. <laughs> I'll have Matt Goddard do that. that <laughs> yes. He's not doing anything. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but yeah, so I, I write, I'm the guy that writes at 2 or 3 a.m., um, when I'm angry and when I'm hurt, I can't really write right away. I really, have to have a minute. That, really? I have to have that that kind of release, especially when I'm angry. Okay. Every once in a while, I find myself after a fight or a breakup or you know all of that kind of stuff. Like uh-huh. uh, you know, excuse me, any kind of breakup, like a friendship breakup, like anything. Yeah. Any any relationship gone gone awry. Um, and you know I, you know occasionally I, I write after them, but. Generally, a lot of the time I write is when I feel like I'm the most quick-witted. Mm. Um, that's and interesting. That's because I often find myself just going blank, um, not being confident. And if I tell myself I'm quick-witted, then one, I'm confident. And two, I can actually, you know, convey the thoughts through words. And um, it happens very rarely, but when it does happen, it's it's like a volcano. Um, mm. It just it's nonstop. I'll end up writing two or three notebooks full of things. Um, like um, on the the book that I'm writing, I, I literally when I write, I'll write almost twenty five to thirty pages at a time. And um, you know, I go back the next day, and I'm still confident because I was in that in that confidence mode. But if I write and I'm not 100% confident, then I'm not going to be 100% confident when I go back and read it. Mm. And, um, you know, you just have to be kind of sure of yourself in those situations, especially when the world can criticize them. I don't think that the world's going to criticize them, whatever we do. Yeah, first, that's what I mean. That's what I mean. So at least so I, do you I find should yourself be confident editing? all do the time. I'm a huge editor. Like, I, I edit everything. Um, I don't think there's any ever been anything that I've written except for... Um, a lot of the book um, is the only thing that I haven't really edited hmm. um, because I love it in its raw form. Um, but as far as lyrics go, the only song I've never edited is Baby When the Last Minute on the Creek. It's the only song I never edited. And um, yeah, and that was, I was just frustrated. And that was one of those moments where I'm like, I'm pissed. I'm going to write. It's funny. I, I love hearing like interpretations, and you know the best part. The best part about music is the romanticism that's attached to it, and sure, and yeah. you know how you take those lyrics or what they're they're singing or that feeling that's presented in the song, whether it's through heaviness or soft or beautiful or whatever, and you apply it to your own life and how you're living at that time. Um, but it's always funny to kind of hear what people like. I'd love to line up a hundred people, kind of Family Feud style. <laughs> And, and, you know, basically play a family feud with songs for Chiodos or cinematic, whatever, or songs in general. And, and I'd love to hear what it is that they think it's about. <laughs> and it would just be so entertaining because Baby Wouldn't Last a Minute on the Creek, everybody thinks that's like a huge breakup song. That was about me wanting to quit Chiodos. <laughs> yeah, that was about, I can't, I don't want to do this. You know, I was just like. It was it was at a hard time for Chiodos when it was um, a few of our members had left. It was actually before we were Chiodos when we were about to we were the Chiodos brothers, and we almost were about to change our name. It was right when Derek and Jason were coming into the band. Okay, like right when I thought that we were done because we didn't have you know Equal Vision offered as a contract, 
which is a dream for us. And then that night, our you know our drummer just quit a week before that. Our guitar player quit that night, literally ten minutes after they said, "Okay, we're gonna sign you guys." Just like wow. It would have been two thousand five, four, four probably four. And the and the the first record that you guys don't like talking about is was released two thousand three because that was before you did Equal Vision. Yeah. 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 Right. Yep. Years, years are. I'm. I wrote 2006 on a check the other day. So, <laughs> it's, this this lifestyle of mine just, you know, it's really gotten my days kind of disheveled. <laughs> so, so that that the the song that the lyrics that you keep that are edited the least are those the harder the ones to perform or the easier ones to sing? You know what I mean? It depends. A lot of the stuff that I edit is all because it's, you know, I never, I don't really write a lot straight to the point. I write a lot of metaphorically right sound yeah. things. And um, who's your author, by the way? What's that? Who's your author? Like my, who's my favorite? Yeah. Bukowski. Okay. And uh, I think it's just because, you know, he teaches me how to live and how not to live. <laughs> right. But He's I'm taught just, me more how not to live. Probably. I'm just thinking in the metaphoric aspect to your lyricism if there's an insp- if there's other yeah like who yeah who's kind of pushing me in that direction to yeah do that, like who know? do you like who was your inspiration like you know what i mean i think i think there's the, a typical music journalist question i i'm so sorry to ask that but no not at you all you know what i'm saying though not at all. i i think um walt whitman does that a lot and he yeah. was one of the first people that i have like he was one of the first people that really got me into this and, hmm. and shakespeare too uh, those are like the two prime writers for me growing up. So they, you know, they they hit me when I was the most impressionable. So that's probably where it derives from. Okay. But since I've become in this self-loathing weird state, you know, where I'm, <laughs> where I'm, I'm, I'm fighting each and every day, you know, Bukowski's kind of like my uh, significant other that reminds me, hey, it's not so bad. Hey, you're not that big of a piece of shit. It's okay. Don't worry about it. You know what I mean? <laughs> so the so the more unfiltered lyrics are the ones that just depends on the day exactly it depends um, right yeah but live it depends on my day like um i was having problems like a month ago and Mm -hmm. um i uh was i performed uh the words best friend become redefined and Mm -hmm. i haven't sang that song with meaning for i mean it every time i sing it and i care but I mean, like, I, I've never, like, heart-wrenching, like, really, really mean it. Um, we played in Allentown, Pennsylvania, uh, which is probably one of my favorite shows I've ever played. Um, and it was, like, a not too long ago. And um, when I played it, I listened to the lyrics instead of kind of being a machine. I really paid attention to each and every lyric and that made me just push so much harder because I could really apply it to myself and in what I was going through at that time. So that's interesting. I was wondering if you if there was ever a song on the set that you tend to call it in. Yeah, yeah, and uh, that that it it changes every night, but that was definitely one um, on the cinematic run. You said you love me. I just when I play that song, I just lose my mind. Like it's it just literally just like pull up my hair i just want to sing and shut my eyes and pretend no one's there because it's i get to sing in the register that i'm most comfortable it's it's just so calm and relaxing but it's so intense and beautiful and i'm saying everything that i want to say it's just awesome you know i guess a simple way to answer what is your biggest fear as a lead singer would be to lose one's voice yeah for some, for some. What's your fear? My biggest fear? Failure in general, probably. Okay, so something much larger. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm not. <laughs> if my voice is bad, then you know, I've always got, I've always got my good looks. I mean, you know. So. <laughs> I just didn't know if you wanted to, like, if you were fine ending up like Steve Perry raising alpacas for the rest of your life. I don't know. Like, <laughs> you know, can't pull the notes anymore, and yeah, you're on I a mean, farm. It's a. Uh, it's always a scary thing, but I, I, I've always been one of those people that believes that singing is about 85% mental, and uh, the adrenaline that you get on stage is that extra kick that you need if you're not having a, you know, you got to clear out all the bad stuff, right. and then after that, it's all mental. If you think you can do it, and you've practiced, and you're on, then you can just do it, 
You know, I think a lot of these people just kind of put themselves in this mental rut and then they're stuck there and they think this is the only way I can do it. I can't sing. I can't do this. And, uh, it's not really how it is. If you tell yourself you can do it, you can really do it. It's one of those cheesy high school posters. You know what I mean? <laughs> that you see on the walls of the high schools. If you believe in yourself, you can do it, but it's, it's true. It's true. And practice does make perfect. And all those things are actually, uh, I wish I could go back to my high school walkthrough and just write them all down because they actually do make sense. Haven't you been there? You've work. been back to your high school. Yeah. I haven't been back to my high school since I graduated. Really? Yeah. 2002. I thought you guys went back. For some reason. Matt and Brad went back. Brad's oh. teacher, or mm-hmm. Brad's brother is a teacher there, and they did some interview there, but um, we're, Chiodos is shooting a DVD right now, hmm. and I think we're going to have the DVD follow us in and follow me, like, to the first, like, time I've gone back, which is going to be, it's going to be intense. I mean, because a lot of people, they're just like, oh, it's high school, whatever, it's stupid, blah, 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 they just kind of in one ear out the other, but that was a whole another world to me, I mean... I don't know. I care about things like that. It was it was a big deal to me. So second music break, pick the two bands, two songs that were your I don't know your anthems in high school. Two bands, two songs. Alkaline Trio. Sorry about that. And MXPX GSF. Okay. Emo. <laughs> Very emo songs. <laughs> Very girl songs. Yes. <laughs> It hasn't been that long Since we drank to the sunset Until it was gone Down with it went our pain and fear As we slowly broke contact more and more With every beer And we passed out your clothing we were both deeply in disguise and, and maybe I just set aside the fact that you were broken hearted my own special selfish way and if I hadn't set aside the fact that you were broken hearted hell no
I still think that's awesome what you said to the Metallica crowd. <laughs> what what was it? What'd you say in front of Metallica's crowd? You said, you, you, what was it? I sing like a girl. No, I was like, I know I sing like a girl, but all your girlfriends love it. And then <laughs> all the dudes were just laughing and clapping. All the ladies were just screaming. And there were long-haired Metallica kids down in front that were like, yeah, all right, I'll give you that. I'll give you that. And they started clapping. <laughs> and like... Once that happened, I looked out and I was like, okay, I won. It's okay. You know, I've, I've won this crowd over. They're at least going to pay attention and not throw stuff. I was I was deathly afraid really? of bottles. Oh, well, all right, yeah. We got bottles thrown at us when we were on tour with Between the Buried and Me. Yeah. You wouldn't expect it. It was before the new record came out. And, and their new record's a little bit slower but and a little more artsy. But they, they just tossed the bottles at us, beer all over. When I was in England, we got beer thrown at us when we were on tour with uh, a tray and 36 Crazy Fist. They're just wasting really expensive beer, but I mean... It's England. They're used yeah. to doing that. They let everything right out. This last time we were in England, it was absolutely amazing. Um, you know, I've always kind of been nervous, a little, a okay. little afraid to go over there. Excuse me, and... Um, I just didn't know how it was going to be. I'm always like, oh, they don't really get it. Because okay. a lot of England, um, the music scene there, I've noticed, it's either pop, metal. Um, it has to have a punk. Uh, you know, it has to have derived from punk and have punk influence. Mm. Or it has to be a gimmick. Um, you know, like uh, makeup or wearing all black pantyhose weird stuff. Um <laughs> And those four things do really well in England, and we are the opposite of all of them. You know, we're very eclectic, um, you know, and how, I don't know, maybe, I don't know, I just, I blame everything on the gray skies now. It's just always gray in England, so I just give them the benefit of the doubt, and I feel bad for them, and I just, but this last time we played over there, it was absolutely amazing. I couldn't believe how great it was. I was just completely blown away, not even from just... Not even from the crowd reaction, but just from how how um how well we were perceived, hmm. you know, not because they were going crazy, but because I could at least see that they understood what it is that we were doing in their eyes. Hmm. I don't know if they didn't really get that three years ago, or if we were just playing in front of a different crowd. But um, you know, whenever we've gone over there before, I was I was nervous. It didn't really come across the way I wanted it to. You are, bec- you are um. You have been, for, I think for the past year you've been doing this, building this, um, doing what there seems to be one of the new business models as a musician these days, especially for lead singers, lead guitarists too, um, a musician as business man, woman. Yeah. And you've got your hands involved in a number of things. I mean, obviously Cinematic Sunrises, that's been going on for what, about a year and a half? Yeah, about two years. Um, seriously, probably around a year, year and okay. a half. So you've got side project. Your your other band's full time job, but enough of it as it is. Yeah, Jonas more than a full time job. Like so, I, I haven't been home since like January. Like fully home. <laughs> so the plants are dead. Just telling you, the plants are dead. <laughs> <laughs> they probably smell too. <laughs> <laughs> um. So uh uh, and then you start. You you got a you have a book. You're starting now. Yeah. Is it a book company you're starting, or is it just no. you're doing a book? Well, I'm I'm doing I'm releasing it myself. Um, it's gonna okay. be so. Self-published. It's just the DIY way to go about it. Sure. Um, all, everybody that I've met century. with is like, this is what you should do, blah, blah, sure. blah. You know, and I'm obviously Is it print on demand? Is it print on demand or are you going to have a certain number printed out? I think it's going to be a certain number. Okay. Um, just to start. Um, 
And then we'll probably switch to print on demand depending on how it goes. Um, and the book is a collection of? Of basically what it is is uh, journal entries okay. um, of mine. And, um, you know, I kind of twist and turn them. Uh, basically, um, going back to Charles Bukowski, um, he influenced a lot of what it is that I'm doing. And, you know, he was, he was kind of held up for... Um, semi-autobiographies and that's kind of what I would consider this um and to be honest I'd love to write an autobiography but um you know everybody already thinks you know I have an online journal on my my website and you know people already think that I'm egotistical for even having that and it's like come on I complain don't understand about, that though why yeah, well, what's the difference they they don't like themselves I don't know <laughs> like it, they, yeah, they just I, don't like me so they find something to complain about they don't like success if it's not theirs, so they lash out at the people that have it. Um, not, yeah. I'm not going to say jealousy because, you know, I mean, maybe some of it is that, but I, I really don't know them, mm. um, and I don't know, um, you know, and jealousy is obviously the egotistical thing to say. But, um, you know, it's like, I don't know. I'm, it's just an online journal, so people should, you know, I why would it piss people off? Why would it put their panties in a bunch? I'm trying to make it so I have a MySpace page that isn't through MySpace. Do you it's know what Craig I mean? CraigOwens.net? No, it's IamCraigOwens.com. That's right. I am and that Craig was only Owens. because CraigOwens.com was just taken. But, um, <laughs> yeah, so it basically it's a semi-autobiography. Um, I figured that was the best way to go about it since uh, so much of my life is already criticized and I haven't really let out that much of it yet. And um, that way people aren't going to know. You're not going to know if it's true or if it isn't. Um and uh, you can interpret it, and or if you want to say it's all true, then go ahead. You know what I mean? That's fine. Um, and it's it's kind of my way of just breathing, letting it all out. Mm. I mean, there's so much I want to say to so many people, and uh, this is just going to be my way to do it. And I can't I can't wait to just finish it. Um, writing's been my my number one passion. My favorite part about music is writing. I'm involved in it, and uh, a lot of the inspiration for doing this was the fact that a lot of the people that come out to see bands, a lot of these younger um, fans or even, you know, the bitter old ones that are mad at the younger fans. Um, just in general, um, the people that are coming out to the shows um, just aren't reading enough. So if, if I can make a couple people pick up a book, then that's fine, even if it's mine. Um, maybe, you know, because all I needed was that one book to, to kind of mm -hmm. shoot me, shoot me off, you know, kind of um, like you need that one band to sh introduce you to a genre. Um so you get you get one person to pick up a book and you just made a lifetime of reading for someone, which is, is pretty amazing. And, um, you know, there's there's a million different reasons why I'm doing it. And uh, a lot, you know, I guess the main one is, is it's going to be another uh, form, uh, outlet therapy for me. It's going to be awesome. Um, get to say what I've always wanted to say and um, show that I'm, I'm a lot more than just a, a scream and a voice. So... Is... Is this a what I thought you were doing something else too, no? I'm doing another project, yeah. It's okay. going to be um a little it's it's basically when I do side projects or anything like that, um it's just fun. It's like my best friends, everybody's like, "Oh, it sounds like this. He's doing it because it sounds like this. He's doing it because of this." It's like, "No, I just want to have fun and make music. I make music all the time." Um you know, you know me, I'm an overachiever. I never really just sit still um ever. Is it, but you know what? I'm the same way, but is it overachiever? Or is it overextender? Maybe overextender <laughs> at some point, I'm sure. Because <laughs> I get accused of the other one. Just believe me. So, and, I, and I do go back and forth going, no, I'm just trying different. Maybe I'm taking on too much. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. No, I, I definitely do that. But I, there's just a bunch of people that I want to make music with. And I'm going to make music with them. And that's it. I mean, I'm, I'm going to have to scrape the the resin from the the, <laughs> the, the clock and, and really make sure that I can find time, basically. But uh, it'll happen. It'll happen. I'm, I'm going to make it happen. So, but yeah, I'm just doing another thing with a, a few of my friends, uh, Mike from uh, Roses Are Red and uh, Nick from Underminded and um, Matt Goddard and Brad. But, yeah, so it, it's a little bit heavier, just more fun, kind of. You know, a lot of the, the thing, I think, with it, and, and one of the main reasons I'm doing it is because everything that I do is so, like, under the radar, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. And I'm just trying to do things that aren't under the radar. Kind of kind of trying to put different outlets that aren't going to be criticized because I'm going to not let them be as available. I'm not going to tell anybody. Like, I don't, I don't plan on really telling anybody about it. 
So, you know, there's that one thing that motivates every person on this planet. Um, and you can usually tell the people that aren't, don't have that thing that motivates them every day when they get up. Yeah, you can definitely Sometimes tell. it's a fear of something. Sometimes it's a desire, a need, or whatever. Mine's a fear. What motivates me every day is a fear of not leaving. Um, no, my fear is not making a difference. Yeah. So before I drop dead, I've meant nothing. Yeah. You yeah, know? definitely. To and be remembered. What what is that for you? Like what is what's what is that thing that's like that fire? You know, because it is. It's like a fire. It can it can make you physically sick. It can make yeah, you. Definitely. It makes you uh, worry. It makes you. I think it's a combination of things. Um, I wake up every day feeling different, so I don't think it's the same thing every single day necessarily. Um, but the thing that pushes me and and makes me drive and and all of that, you know that built my drive excuse me like all of that i really think it's um i just i don't i i see so much um you know i'm kind of dancing around the answer because it's a little you know personal intense thing but it's um mm. i just i don't i just want to be successful i want to have a great living and i don't want to end up um a 35 year old in an apartment kind of thing you know i want the american dream like full of regrets. Yeah, yeah. So I just uh, I want I want to really live. You know, everybody says that. It sounds cheesy, but uh, you know, I just uh, I want to live, but not not necessarily the way other people want to live. Everybody wants to experience something like physically. Right. They want to go out. They want to do this. They you know, it's it's a lot of the relationships I've had. That's where we kind of bang heads you know any with girlfriends it's they want to go out they want to do this they want to party they want to hang out they want to see people mm -hmm. and i don't really consider that living necessarily i think it's a part of it but i'm you know i i just uh my my form of living is kind of growing just just becoming something and uh learning and you know you learn in those situations but not when you go to the bar for the 50th time you you just don't learn anymore um, you're just, you're just going through the, this, this cycle, you know, and you're, right. you're going to come out faded. And, uh, I just, I just don't want to be a part of that really. So the way, the way that I kind of do is, is I just, I, I live for, for, for moments. Um, I live for experience, like real experience, what I, what I consider real experience in my mind. Um, like like finishing a book and, and learning a lesson from it or something like that. Like you can actually change, you know, something that can change your life like that instead of just going, getting wasted and then just coming home and passing out and waking up and doing it again. You know, and I, I like to see places, but a lot of the, like I, I've been so many places. I've traveled so much, I've been touring forever, sure, right? you know, and everybody's like, oh, well, don't you want to see this? Don't you want to go that? I don't remember anything I see. Um, and I'm not that guy that's going to take out a camera and just start taking pictures, but it's like all of these places that everybody goes to see it for me, all it is, is one giant collage, all completely blurred together. I remember the most mundane, weird places that I probably shouldn't remember. Um, you know, like the Allentowns right. or, or random places on mm -hmm. earth, but everybody's like, Oh, let's go see this beautiful thing. Let's go, let's go see this. It's just like, I'll go see it, but but in order for something to touch me, it has to happen naturally. I can't. Uh, it can't be force-fed experience like that. Um, You're not much of a tourist, at all. <laughs> I love to travel, but I think I love to travel just because I'm. I like to act the physical part of traveling, not necessarily the. Well, I've seen this. I've seen this. I'm so cultured and educated, and I don't know. But so this summer, you're. Doing some cinematic dates, mm -hmm. and then more cinematic dates. <laughs> more cinematic dates. Chiodos overseas for yep. a little bit. Chiodos overseas, and then Chiodos touring nonstop again. <laughs> Listen, do you say that <laughs> nonstop? <laughs> You're just like, oh god. <laughs> well, I mean, from August first until November. And then when have you? Um, we do have to. We we will go here, but. Uh, um, when, what year do you think another Chiodos record? Talks about next year. Really? Already? Yeah. I, 
personally, I'd like to postpone it <laughs> um, because I I need a little more creative spark. But who knows? You know, in six months, eight months, maybe right. I'll have it and I'll be dying to do it. But um, you know, it's kind of like what, what we talked about on the way here. I think a lot of it, you know, the garbage disposal that are there are a lot of people's minds these days in this scene, quote unquote scene, whatever that that word. Mm-hmm. It's the best way to describe it. Sure. You know what I mean, a lot of people don't want to associate themselves with it, but All deal right. with it. You're a part of it. Um, <laughs> so a lot of people in this scene, and I consider myself a part of the scene. I consider you a part of it. Right. I think it's it's a it's a community. We all hang out at the same bar. Exactly. We're all at the same lunch table. Exactly. And, and we all know the same things. Um, some of us. So, <laughs> <laughs> but... You know the the garbage disposal that are a lot of these these people's minds these days. Um, they take they take your music, they indulge it, they digest it, and they just spit it out so quickly. Yeah. Um, you know, like we talked about. So, who knows if they're gonna let me go another year or two <laughs> without writing it's a you, CD? Like, <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, maybe I have to release a CD every other year in order for them to you know. To continue to like my band, you know what I mean. I don't monkey dance monkey. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. But um, we'll uh, we'll see. We're talking about next year for Chiodos full length. We're talking about next year for cinematic full length. We're talking about next year That's for right. the book. That's right. We're talking about um, next year for the EP for the other thing that I'm doing. Um, so oh nine, oh nine is is the year it, for me. What, so. My best advice for oh nine is don't don't even bother buying plants at all. <laughs> <laughs> I really hope my my condo doesn't stink when I go home. <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you so much for coming. Yeah, of course. Here and chatting. AP podcasts are recorded at Lava Room Recording Studio in Cleveland, Ohio, a New York City quality studio at Cleveland prices. Check out www.lavaroomrecording.com for more information on Alternative Press Magazine. Go to www.altpress.com. The podcast engineer is John Walsh. Post-production assistance from Rob Bertenzi. I'm Mike Shea, and this is all my fault. You can reach me directly at www.myspace.com slash Mike Shea AP. That's S-H-E-A like the stadium, AP. 